Hi, everyone. Welcome to Waste360's Nothing Wasted podcast. On every episode, we invite the most interesting people in waste, recycling, and organics to sit down with us and chat candidly about their thoughts, their work, this unique industry, and so much more. So thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. This is Liz Bothwell from Waste 360 with Joe Earthy, Senior Vice President and Department Manager for Comerica Bank. Welcome, Joe, and thanks for being on the show today. Liz, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Joe, we normally start in the beginning, so could you please tell us about your background and how you ended up in environmental services? Sure. Um, it wasn't really planned. I um, ended up at the bank out of school and uh, right out of college, and um, I went into our commercial lending program, a credit analyst program, and uh did rotations there through middle market lending and through real estate. And they liked me in middle market, so they, they hired me back as kind of a junior lender. And when you're a junior lender, you get a portfolio of companies that, that are clients that we have lending relationships with. And I got about 15 customers when I became a junior lender, and there was a, a bunch of different industries, manufacturing, heavy industrial companies, distribution. There was a cemetery mixed in there, and then there were two waste companies uh, in there. And um, I knew that you know, part of my job was to bring in revenue for the bank and take care of those clients and bring in revenue for the bank. And you know, I was a fairly young-looking 22, 23-year-old kid, and I was struggling uh, calling on the local manufacturing companies and the auto suppliers. I was not getting traction, very young, didn't have a lot of credibility. They knew a bunch of other people at the bank already. And Detroit, you know, even to this day, there's a lot of banking options, and it was tough. And I looked at that portfolio, those 15 clients, and I just said, how can I differentiate myself, and where can I become, you know, uh, effective at bringing in, you know, some business for Comerica. And there were, you know, those couple waste companies that started really, you know, I took care of all the clients, but I really got to know them well. I asked a lot of questions. I started calling everybody in the industry, started calling, you know, the couple banks that were doing it. This is back in 2000-ish, learning going to my first Waste Expo, going to other conferences, getting all the trade publications at the time, and and really stumbled into something that was a fantastic uh, industry, and, and frankly, at the time, was, was not uh, really banked. I mean, it was uh, underbanked. So long story short, that's how it all started, Liz. Oh, that's awesome. And... Until recently, I didn't realize that you had started the environmental services group within Comerica. So I know you did it to kind of differentiate and yourself and, and help the industry at large. But what are you most proud of now that it's such a thriving business? Well, I think I'm most proud of the uh, the relationships. I think that, you know, we have very long-term relationships with customers, extremely loyal, and the team that 
I've built and then I've added on just tremendous bankers on the team that are just very skilled and experts in taking care of our clients and you know I have great relationships with our team people that work for me and then uh, frankly I have a great you know I have a great mentor and boss at the bank too you know president of the bank and Mike Ritchie and so I mean if I look at my career you know what I have today is I have a really good thing I have great customers have fantastic people around me and I have fantastic leadership the chain at our company that really supports our business and wants to help uh, help me grow it so I would say uh, I would say those are my proudest uh, achievements so far outside of my personal life of course (laughs) (laughs) of course Um, and like you said relationships and I think I don't know if you realize, but I mean, that's what you're most lauded for. Every every client we've ever spoken to in, in any format has not only given you credit for helping them grow their business, but they also feel this immense connection to you on a, almost a family level. So any advice you can give to people out there in, in developing close relationships like that? Because you're obviously a pro at it, Joe. Oh, I appreciate that. And Again, the whole team that, that, that we have here is they're really good at it. And I think it comes down to a lot of things. I think, you know, in terms of client selection and the type of companies that we want to work with, you know, I've said this to many people, we're looking for just really good high character people and, you know, transactional people and people that don't really view banks as a partner um, and more as a commodity, and uh, you know, we try to avoid those situations. So, so we pick really good clients, and then, you know, we're just ourselves. And you know, we, you know, I grew up blue collar, and I think we have a blue collar team. And you know, we don't pretend to be people we're not. And we are bankers, and there's a connotation to being a banker or whatnot, and dealing with large sums of money and exciting, you know, transactions and or whatnot. But I think we've always been plain spoken. I think that the relationship to us means means everything, and it's it's a lot of little things done right, a lot of little tactics. But big, big picture, it's you know uh, you know doing what you say you're going to do and delivering. And um, so you know our clients might not always like uh, what we have to say. But ultimately, at the end of the day, they know that what we say, we're going to deliver on. And we're not out there baiting and switching people. We're not out there, you know, just trying to gain a bunch of clients. And then, you know, when something goes wrong, we're, we don't know what to do. And, you know, on that topic, you know, when, you know, we have clients that are doing a tremendous amount of M&A activity, they're growing very quickly, they're going to have hiccups. And I think our response to hiccups um, sets us apart. I think that we have built our most loyal customers and our deepest relationships when there's problems, when, you know, we can use our skill set and all the knowledge that, that we have at the bank through our 25 years of, of doing this, whereby we don't need to overreact. And um, we can sit down with an owner and come up with a shared solution where we give a little bit, they give a little bit, and then, um, you know, life goes on. And But those relationships 
are, you know, the best ones we have are usually have come from when we've gone through through something hard together. And, you know, I was talking about Joe Winters before we started and um, a dear friend and, you know, Joe and I did, you know, uh, his first Long Island deal together where he bought 30-some companies in a very short period of time. He bought Allied Waste out. He bought Waste Management out. He bought a company, and then he sold that. He bought a company in Connecticut from the U.S. Marshals that was seized by the government. It was very poorly performing, and he turned that business around, but there was a lot of lumps in the road, and and then he bought his old business back. And so that would be an example of you know a person and a family that we've done a tremendous amount of deals with, and and there's always going to be delays, and there's always going to be some hiccups when you're moving that quickly, but that relationship and friendship ultimately that comes from that is is just what makes the job so rewarding. Oh, I bet. And and you want to see them succeed on that level because you get to know them so well and, and know their families. So I, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. It's ultimately, you know, our when we sit down in front of a prospective client or a client, it's we want to understand their goals. Sometimes their goals are, I want to build this thing up really quickly and sell it and put a lot of money in my pocket. Sometimes their goals are I'm going to grow slowly and and not take on a lot of debt. And I got a couple children that I'm grooming to take over when I get to a certain age, and I think they're ready. And and that's my goal. And so ultimately, if we understand our customer's goal and what what do they really see 5, 10, 15 years out in the future and what do they want, that gives us a great ability to try to help them get there. So that's very important to us. Oh, absolutely. I bet. And again, I'm sorry about Joe. And um, I know COVID has, has taken quite a toll on the world, frankly. And I know you've been in this industry uh, for 20 plus years. How has the pandemic and, and wild year affected waste and recycling, you know, beyond the, the personal and, and losing a friend like Joe? Yeah, business-wise, it's been interesting. Um, it's been surprisingly positive. And, you know, I you think when we look back in March, we were looking at our portfolio and, you know, the obvious signs at that time were, you know, customers in urban markets with heavy commercial activity, you know, were going to get hammered. And, you know, businesses were just shut down and, you know, you know, who has a lot of leverage and who 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 has a lot of commercial activity in an urban market. And, you know, so we looked at that and, um, you know, every two weeks we would look at our portfolio with our credit partners and, and more informally just saying, okay, where are the problems, trying to anticipate problems. And um, there really weren't any. Um, you know, the solid waste business, which is about 75% of our loan portfolio that that I oversee called environmental services solid waste is about 75% of that a lot of those companies had fantastic years um you know uh, residential weights were up a little bit a few months um you know that, that hit margins a couple months um you know commercial activity was interesting because you know if you didn't have a high uh, mix of you know, social distance types of businesses, restaurants, hotels, you know, sports arenas, um, you know, that business just went on and that revenue was there. Um, you know, on the roll off side, um, on the construction side, you know, construction, you know, residential construction is 
you know, very hot right now. Um, so that business has been good. And then on the commodity side, cardboard prices started going up in March. And so that was a little bit of a tailwind for our customers. Fuel went down. That was a little bit of a tailwind. So when you take all that and net it all out, the industry actually did really well. So, um, you know, our, our, our lending, our loan portfolio, we have about 110 customers. Um, you know, it, it, it really, really performed uh, nicely. But big picture, that's what we saw through the pandemic. And, um, you know, again, we're very happy with how the portfolio uh, withstood that. Good. That's a, a bright light in all of this. And I know you've worked a lot with mid-sized haulers, Joe. What's on their minds these days? Is, are, are their challenges unique or, or is it similar to some of the larger companies? I think their their challenges are uh, similar for for their size. I mean, if you looked at middle market size, you know, waste and recycling companies across the country, you know, they all have similar challenges. I think that um, you know, finding uh, labor, uh, finding uh, talent, I think is is very high on their list. Um, I think that the industry. The industry, I think, from my just opinion, uh, is getting older. So I think that you know we need to do things as an industry to attract young talent, you know, to driving positions, to mechanic positions, even to even to starting their own waste companies. Just just you know, the industry needs uh, to have that. So I think labor has been uh, a unique challenge. I think the other challenge that we're seeing across the board is just risk management prices. Insurance is, is, is challenging given all the, you know, natural disasters in the environment. And then, frankly, this is a very dangerous industry. So I think that there's some technology out there that, you know, people can use, um, you know, with cameras and things like that in terms of, you know, risk management and safety but I think, you know, we're talking to clients a lot about, it's funny, as bankers, you know, we're not really talking about ratios and, you know, liquidity and their balance sheet. And, I mean, we're, you know, I was just on a call uh, the other, you know, last week here in Michigan and, you know, with a prospective client and we're talking about, you know, we're talking about safety and we're talking about, you know, pre-trip and post-trip and we're talking about, you know, fire suppression systems in their transfer station because um, not that we you know, are know-it-alls by any means, but when we see things that have gone wrong in other areas of our portfolio and other, and other clients, you know, we know a little bit to ask those questions and that's really it. But you know, I think labor is a challenge. I think in, in certain markets, um, you know, disposal is a challenge, disposal prices, disposal availability. I know in, the, in certain parts of the New England market, um, you know, disposal costs are going up. And, you know, if you're running a collection company, uh, you got to pass those through ultimately to your collection customers. And uh, otherwise, you're going to have your margins compressed. But, um I think it's a very strong industry. I think that, um, you know, I think we're looking forward to the economy bouncing back nicely this year. Um, you know, construction activity, uh, especially on the residential side, um, you know, um, being in a good spot, you know, fuel being reasonable. So I think, you know, we're excited about 2021 as well. Oh, good. That's great to hear. And what, do you, what are your thoughts on M&A activity in, in the industry as we head into 21? 
Yeah, so we so about we bring in uh, my team brings in about fifteen to twenty new customers a year, and I would just venture to say that about half of those are because of a M and A activity, and the other half are just uh, us taking them from other banks uh, because of our brand and, and service and reputation. So, and if you look at two thousand twenty, I think that uh, COVID really shut down the M&A uh, environment for four to five months, uh, in my opinion. Uh, some people would probably say shorter or longer, but I, I think it's four or five months, so it's just no activity. And then, you know, frankly, if you don't have to sell your company in a pandemic, um, you know, why would you sell your company? So I think that, you know, from our perspective, there was a lot of M&A activity in 2020. Um, we didn't personally see a lot of payoffs from it. You know, we, we did have, you know, uh, like $170 million of loans paid off through capital markets and company sales. So we did have some companies sell their businesses last year and pay us off, and they sell them to very large companies that, um, that we don't finance. Um, so that, that's always a factor we deal with every year is clients selling and paying us off. In terms of 21, uh, it's going to be interesting. I think that, um, you know, I've read some articles on, you know, the capital gains tax. Um, you know, it's going to go up. And is it going to be retroed back to January 1st, um, you know, here, you know, 12 days ago? Or is it going to be kind of starting uh, next January? And I think if it starts next January, it's a material percentage. So I think you're going to have a lot of M&A activity, more M&A activity this year. I think that if they retro it back to January 1 of 21, I think that you're not going to see, I think you're going to see less M&A activity. Um, just, just my opinion on that. Um, so that's kind of how I view it, uh, Liz. Okay, that makes sense. And I know you mentioned um, safety and sort of technology behind that. Is, is there any technology or any other innovation that you're kind of paying attention to that you well, I think that I think that in terms of you know on uh, you know on the collection side, uh, obviously the um, uh, you know the cameras on the vehicles I think are huge in terms of more of coaching um, your drivers and helpers. I think that and also uh, insurance. I mean, if you, someone claims you did something that you didn't, you have proof. So the cameras I think are big. I think that. You know, and if you can move certain collection areas to, you know, automated side loaders, you know, where you have, uh, you know, one guy in a truck and, you know, uh, hopefully he doesn't have to get out of the truck a lot. I think, you know, that compared to a rear loader with two or three people in it is much safer. Um, so we look, we see that. The amount of robotics going into the MRFs because of the China sword to lower the contamination numbers. You know, the robotics ultimately replace people. Um, and uh, the positives of that are there's, you know, it's a safer environment. There's just less people up there on the picking line to get injured um, and things like that. But, you know, you know, we're looking at all that stuff and we like it and, you know, we support it and we, we finance it um, and we think it's smart. And, you know, the, the, the technology in the industry, I think, is over the last five to seven years been really outstanding. And it's something that is accessible by our clients. It's not something that they're priced out of and um, it's something that they can get. And, you know, I think that 
if you look at the companies, you know, that we have in our portfolio today versus 10 or 15 years ago, they're better managed and they're better run. And the managers have more information. They have more uh, data. They have KPIs. I mean, they're tracking this stuff daily, weekly. They can make quick decisions. So I think the companies that we're, we have today are really well run relative to 10 years ago. And I think a lot of that is due to technology. Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with you. And then I, I know your level of, of investing, um, you know, you you get these companies before, obviously, they go public. But ESG and sustainability are a huge focus today. Are you seeing this? And, and does it impact how Comerica um, considers companies before you invest? Or is that just something that's built into this industry at the stage um, that these companies are in when you help them? Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, so in my world, we've been doing, we, we have actually been doing renewable um, uh, projects uh, for about, uh, you know, a dozen years now. And, you know, back in the 2000s, um, you know, we had landfill, we had clients that owned landfills. And, you know, we would notice, you know, hey, what is that plant over there on the side? Oh, that that takes the gas and, you know, we're, you know, create, it powers this, you know, cat, you know, engine and we're selling electricity and it's renewable. And we said, oh, that's interesting. Um, well, who does that? Well, there's a company that owns that plant and we have a 20-year gas rights agreement. You know, we give them the gas for 20 years with a royalty and then they take it and they do whatever with it. And we, so we're like, okay, that's interesting. So Matt Bright, who is one of my uh, talented managers along with Ian Mearns, 15 years ago, we started studying landfill gas energy, and um, it took us two or three years to kind of learn it and get people internally, you know, kind of understanding it. And so we are the, I, I think we're the largest bank lender to the landfill gas to energy industry. It's a, it's a fantastic business where our bank is a member of the Renewable Natural Gas Coalition, um, and um you know the that industry is something that we've grown with, and it's changed over time. And you know, you know, you started out where it was, hey, I got a 20-year gas rights agreement with a landfill, and I got a 20-year, you know, power purchase agreement with a utility, and it's just a great cash flow business. It's a great business for debt. And then over time, it's evolved into, you know, we have clients that have a portfolio of projects and. You know, they they do some of it. Maybe it was a little bit of merchant pricing, and then you know, there's things like RINs involved and RECs, and so we've learned all about those uh, types of things. But the renewable part of it is something that we want to do more. And um, you know, we do some biomass facilities in my world, and we're looking at other renewable projects and financings as well. I think it's a massive opportunity. Um, I think even before the election, it was a massive opportunity. I think solar is, you know, probably the highest, you know, going to be the highest growth uh, energy source over the next, you know, 10, 15 years in this country, if you look at that. So uh, we've been doing renewable, and we're going to do more of it. And, um, you know, we think it's a great business uh, to be in. Oh, that's great. And I didn't realize you were you were in it for so long. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a... It's been, uh, it's just something that was tangential to what we were already doing. And, 
you know, we studied it and uh, we made a little business out of it. The only problem with landfill gas, I mean, frankly, for us is it's just small. I mean, it's a small industry, and uh, we already bank a lot of the players there. There's a handful that we don't. Um, and then, you know, frankly, a lot of the waste companies themselves that own landfills, Waste Management, Republic, um, Connections, you know, they have they have become to understand that industry a long time ago, and they put their own plants and they harness their own gas uh, for the, for themselves. Um, you know, so the industry is a little bit small, uh, but there still are a lot of landfills out there that are eligible for gas projects, and uh, you know, so there is some growth opportunities on that side as well. Oh, that's great to hear. And then, Joe, I know Helping Waste 360 launched the Business Leadership Forum, and it's coming up again in June. Can you just give give us an overview of um, of this event and and what people typically learn and who's there and and why you thought this event was so important to bring to the market? Yeah, we started. We had we've had two of them, and the Business Leadership Forum is a partnership with Informa. It's at Waste Expo, and our first one was a couple of years ago in Vegas, and uh, very well attended. Three hundred fifty people. And um, we had about four hours of panel discussion, you know, covering topics that are relevant to the waste industry. And, and it was more of uh, what, what, do, what do we talk about and what do our clients talk about that maybe the whole industry doesn't talk about? And, and putting some of those really high-growth regional waste company owners and operators um, up on the stage and having a conversation with them about maybe some unique topics that are not covered uh, in other parts of Waste Expo. And, and then so this summer we did a virtual uh, business leadership forum, which is still available on Waste360. And then uh, here we come, end of June, we're planning for our third. And, uh, it, you know, it is going to be in person, and we're going to be there, and uh, we're building out that content now. Um, and we're just trying to uh, always trying to be fresh and topical, and you know what's on people's minds, and you know we're we're kind of doing that right now. But you know I think that you know a couple topics I think people are going to want to talk about is you know we have we talked about COVID, and I think a lot of people learned or had the courage to pull some levers in their companies at the start of COVID that they had never pulled before. So I think that maybe in terms of looking at pricing really hard or in terms of, you know, overtime expenses. And I think that, so there's some lessons learned out of COVID that, you know, these business owners can apply. So I think that might be something we talk about. We might want to talk about, you know, we just have, we just had a massive shift in our political environment. We have a wonderful um, political analyst at the bank and, you know, we might have, you know, Dan in to come in and talk about how, how is this, if at all, how is this going to impact your industry? And I don't mean banks. I mean, you know, the waste and recycling industry and maybe even beyond, you know, corporate taxes, regulations and things like that. I think that'll be very uh, a topic that people want to hear about. So the fantastic event, it's going to be on Tuesday um, of Waste Expo Week. It starts around noon. We have a lunch and then we have you know, three or four hours of panel sessions, and uh, I mean, the, att the attendance is outstanding. It's, it's business owners, and it's, uh, so it's CEOs, CFOs, uh, chief operating officers, it's um, 
money sources. It's private equity people uh, that can help you, um, you know, grow your business. That know your industry. They're there. Other banks are there listening in. So it's a very good audience of people, and uh, you know, we really enjoy doing it. Oh, that's great. And I think what makes this event so special, and I'm sure you see it, is everyone who speaks is so transparent. They are they are sharing secrets of success and their stumbles along the way. And I just think it's just so valuable to the audience that they're getting these nuggets of wisdom, um, maybe that they didn't realize that they, they could get or would get. And um, just the speakers, and Comerica in general, putting this together, everyone is so generous with their time and advice. Um, it's just time well spent from what we've seen and the feedback we get we get from attendees. And I don't even know if you know this, Joe, but um, the first year, and, and um, this, the second was slightly different, but 100% of people would um, recommend this to a colleague at <laughs> this event. No, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Well, that's what we're, that's what we're shooting for. That's... that's uh, that's great to hear. And, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, our, our, you know, our clients are, we think we have the creme de la creme of the private uh, waste company, recycling company, renewable energy people. We think that we pick the best. Maybe we don't, I don't know, but I, and by and large, we think that we pick the best. And, you know, uh, one of our customers always says, you know, fall in love with the truth. And it just always, you know, has been with me. So our interactions with our clients are probably a little bit more direct because we just want to kind of cut all of it out and just say, okay, you have a problem, here's our opinion. And we're pretty transparent, and uh, we think that we're very high character, integrity, honest, uh, trusted advisors as bankers to our clients. And so to see them act the same way doesn't surprise me to be candid and transparent up there because that's what we value uh, in people. You know, when we meet with, you know, prospective clients that we're calling on and getting to know people, part of it is just being able to understand, you know, how they answer questions. And part of it is, is just understanding their vision. And you wouldn't believe how many business owners can't articulate what they want and they can't, um, look at their business in a simple way. And so those are things that we look for with clients and uh, it doesn't surprise me that uh, that's the feedback that we got, but that's great to hear. I didn't hear that. That's really good news. Oh, oh good. Well, it makes sense based on everything that we've talked about that it would show on stage and, and through the speakers. So that's awesome. And then Joe, any advice you would give to young folks entering the industry? Well, if they want to enter banking, I mean, we're growing and we're, we're always looking for talent. So uh, if they want to enter banking and they like the waste and recycling and waste energy business, call me. Um, but in terms of, the, in terms of the, the waste and recycling industry in general, I think that, um, like I said, I think the industry needs to think about attracting um, young talent. I think it probably already is, but um, I think it's a fascinating business, and I think that it's a little underrated in terms of how interesting it is. I think um, certainly when we bring new people on the team and they start going out to see companies and facilities and we're talking about certain things, they say, wow, we never knew that much went into um, this industry. And, you know, I get the Wall Street Journal in the house every morning 
there's always 10 articles in there at least that touch the waste business from the general economy to construction to energy to commodity prices metal prices um you know it's it's to renewable type things which has been in the news a lot lately you know that that is that's all available for young people coming into this industry. So it's not just, hey, uh, old garbage, old rusty garbage truck going to the landfill. It's not that. It, it is that, but it's way more than that. So I think, I think we need to have more people coming in. But in general, what helped me is my advice, like to my advice to my sons, my advice to my two boys is, is that, you know, do good in college. And then when you get to a company, they're not going to pay you unless you add value. And for you to add value, you probably got to be better at something than your peers. So um, become the best at something and become the best at something relative to your peers at your company and you will stand out. And then the most important thing, though, is to find, a, you know, spend some time and find a mentor. And it was easy for me because the business unit I got hired into, I had very strong leaders, and so the mentors were right there in front of me every day. Some people don't have that advantage, so find a good mentor as a young person at a company, and that is just absolutely invaluable. But if you, ha if you find a good mentor, you have to respect their time. You can't expect them to drop it. You have to schedule meetings. You, you have to reach out as a young person. You can't expect a mentor to be reaching out to you. You reach out and you have an agenda and you sit down and you talk to that person for a half hour you know every week or every couple of weeks and you take notes with a piece of paper and you remember what they say and you come back two weeks later with a different set of questions or observations and you take notes you know so there's i think that finding a mentor working really hard being the best at something uh inside your company uh i think those are no matter who you work for I think those are uh, something I talk about a lot. I love that. And that, like you're saying, that's advice that goes beyond this industry. That's for your sons, for my sons. That's, <laughs> that can be applicable anywhere. And I, I think that's fantastic. And I think it was Susan Robinson for Waste Management when she was on um, this podcast. She had mentioned that mentoring is a two-way street. She feels she's learned just as much from the young generation as they've learned from her. So I think it could be really fulfilling if, if done well and um, and everyone's in sync. I think that's great. Absolutely. I, you know, I'm a mentor here, and I think I'm kind of a mentor to a lot of people that, that work with me. And, you know, your personal success is a level of satisfaction, but you being a part of someone else's success and someone else's growth, and that growth allows them to do something, get a promotion, get a new job, even if they have to move out of my department, that is super fulfilling um, personally for me. So I totally agree. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's the mo one of the most fulfilling parts of the job. <laughs> well, Joe, this has been amazing. I could talk to you for hours, but I want to respect your time. Is there anything else you'd like to share before I let you go about your day? Liz, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate being on your podcast. I know you've done a lot of them, and I'm excited to be, uh, be part of it. And, um, you know, we obviously have been uh, had a relationship with Informa for a long time, and, uh, you know, we, we greatly respect that. And, 
you know, we're very excited to get uh, the Waste Expo back in, in person this year. And, um, you know, I would just say if anybody uh, has any questions about anything I said or they want to talk to me, this will be on Waste360's website, but you can also find me on LinkedIn and you can also find uh, the landing page on Comerica.com too for environmental services and reach out as well. So, um, but, but Liz, thank you for your time and, uh, you know, happy belated New Year, and uh, I think we're all hoping for a, a much better 21 than, than 20. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you, and I'm so glad we finally did this and wishing you all the best in 21 as well. Likewise. Thanks, Thanks, Liz. All right. Thanks, Joe, and hope thanks, to talk Liz. soon. Bye-bye. Bye.